Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. The wisest man in the Old Testament said there are times and seasons for everything. And we've had most of them in the last 12 months. A time for birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to scatter and a time to gather. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. And that list goes on. But we have to know, we have to be aware of what season we're in. We need wisdom for that. And Solomon also said in order to get wisdom, you need to seek counsel, which is why I'm so grateful to be just one of the leaders here at Ivy. And again, I thank God for the Brockbank trustees and for David. I thank God for my fellow elders, including my two wonderful brothers, Robert and Adam, who served us so well in that capacity over the years for the staff team and for many others in Ivy who helped to provide leadership and wisdom in across a range of different ministries. And I also want to thank the prayer warriors, the unseen army, the ones who usually don't get noticed, but stand side by side with us in the invisible realm and contend for us where the battle really counts. I read the responses from our latest survey and I'm grateful too for all of the love and the kindness and the appreciation in that. But also I read a wistfulness that comes through too. People are saying, I'm just, I love what's happening in many ways. I love what's happened in our church and I'm grateful for it. But I'm I'm kind of making the best of it too. But I feel sad and I wish it wasn't like this. And I, I want you to know that I get that and I feel that too. We've all had changes that we didn't want. We've all had things happen that we didn't like and we didn't feel that we'd signed up for. The last year, even the last season has brought tragedies huge losses and grief compounds when it feels like it's just one thing after another and you're not even getting a breath before another one comes in. So first of all, again, I want to thank you. As I wrote in the notes on, uh, that you can download and you can read in the annual report, thank you for being here wherever you are. I know many people have joined us this year or are starting to connect with us as we've gone online. I I read the comments. I love to read the comments that come in online from you. I saw more today and if that's you, I want to welcome you. I'll give my own welcome to the AGM and say you can be as much part of this as you choose to be. You know that because some of you watch Faithlift every day. Some of you have done Alpha. Some of you join grow groups, become members. Some of you give generously and faithfully uh, and regularly, even though you've never set foot in this building or any of the other buildings that we've ever met before as Ivy. This year, we tried to be more imaginative than ever as the video showed about ways that we could meet because we've not been able to meet at all really in the sites in the ways that we did before when COVID hit but if you've been part of Ivy for longer than that then you'll have been used to that in fact you'll have been more used to change than 99% of churches in this country because before those sites we'd already gone through innumerable changes and iterations with different names and places led in all kinds of shapes and sizes by various people making space being adaptable, and rather than saying, this is my seat, offering other people the best place in the name of Jesus. 
Maybe you're watching the AGM hoping that this is now a Boris moment where I'm going to tell you the plan and I'm going to give you the timeline of when we get to do this and when we get to do that and when we get to hug one another again. You'd feel a lot better if I could say with confidence things that I don't really know about the future. But there are three problems with that. Number one, I haven't got the hair for it. Number two, I don't know when we'll get back to normal as a nation. And I hope I'm wrong, but I suspect it actually won't be for a very long time indeed. In fact, I'm not sure even as it opens up how much it'll open up or what normal will look like then or how long it will last. And number three, for the church, normal is way overrated. As Paul said this morning, normal was the problem a lot of the time for the church. Going back to normal, therefore, cannot be the answer if we're going to reach the nation for Jesus. I've said it for years. There was a little clip from a, 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 a one years ago when I was at Kingsway. I, I kind of went off on one about normal, about normal church. And I said, I don't want to lead a normal church because normal church is rubbish. And I never want Ivy to be a normal church. Normal church was dying very fast in Britain, even before COVID. And if the only hope is that we go back to some kind of normal like that, with a few people who've now disengaged, please would you now come back and come into our buildings when we open up so you can sing for an hour on a building on a Sunday that normal is not good it's not good enough I've said many times we haven't actually got a going back plan but I do know the Lord will lead us forward none of us as leaders here believe that he just wants us to go back after all this pain as if nothing happened what a waste that would have been to have learned nothing from what we've gone through. So I'm not going to stand here and roll out my roadmap and dates saying we're going to do this. Trust me, just trust me. I've got it all figured out. Here's the destination. I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to say this. Trust God. Trust God. Let's figure it out as we go with him. And here's the direction that we're going. And as you move in a direction, the destinations start to get clearer the nearer you get. You want the plan? I'm going to give you the same plan as I gave at last year's AGM. The plan is, trust Jesus. You want the timeline, okay? Let's do it now. Let's, let's follow Jesus and let's trust Jesus now in 2021, the same as every year. We're going to follow Jesus and do what we think he's saying. If this year has taught me anything, it's that who you're with is more important than where you're going and trying to figure it all out because just as you make one plan, something happens and changes it anyway. Another great thing that came out of last year is that Ivy's former lead elder, Andrew Sherry, wrote a, a, a course called Becoming Me to help people gain some direction in the new realities. And a book as well that he wrote with it, which he gave me an advance sighting of, and I've looked through it. And there's a line when he sums up the whole history of Ivy and the future, I believe, of Ivy in this line. He said, we're a group of ordinary people trying to figure out what God wants us to do next and do it. I was like, that's amazing. Andrew's been here longer than most people. And I love the way that he said that. If you read our DNA document, which he helped to write more than a decade ago, you'll see that we do have strategies and we do plan and we do adjust and we adapt all the way, especially when things change. But in our DNA, it says we take risks 
This is an adventure. We don't presume to say we're 100% confident that this will work. We have this unrolling scroll. That God shows us what's next and we step into it in faith. But, and we keep the why really, really clear. We're here to help people find their way back to God. We're here to raise people up and to release them as God's people into the destiny that he's got for them. And if ever we find anything that looks like it isn't really working in doing that, even if it used to work okay, we're going to try something else and we're going to see if something else will work instead. And when I look back, in fact, when I look back beyond 2020, beyond my 13 years here, back to Oliver Brockbank, <coughs> excuse me, back to that house church meeting that he started with, what a great honour it is tonight to be able to look at that legacy and then to think about where Ivy got started in a gathering with just a couple of people praying and then a few people being invited in a house. Them just cracking the Bible open and, and telling more people and inviting them to come to know Jesus too. I think Oliver Brockbank would be thrilled by Cheadle Hume. But I also think he'd be even more thrilled that we've had an initial group of Ivy people together with some leaders from some other places around the nation undergoing months of training in this year of how to gather and reach out from their homes and workplaces and wherever in other places to start these things, what we're calling microchurches. These microchurch leaders are co-vocational, which is a posh way of saying we're not paying them. We don't have to pay them to reach out and to be able to love people and disciple people and tell people about Jesus in different ways. And they're going to pioneer in ways, even in a pandemic, about how to do discipleship. And we're going to raise up more leaders and train more leaders like that. And none of that is really new for us, raising up leaders and discipling people and sending people out. In fact, I counted up 12 different named ivies in different moves and different places in that last 13 years that I've been here, nearly 13 years. All kinds of major changes of how we met and how we could meet before COVID. So if somebody asks, when are we going back? Here's my answer. Back to what? Which one? Where? And I know the heart answer will be, back to how I liked it. Back to the, how the ivy I liked best. But that will be different for everybody. And the one that you like, somebody else won't like. And anyway, if you go back to the future, like the movies, even if you could go back there, what you find is, when you go back, it's changed anyway. We've got no going back plan. The Lord is leading us forward. That may mean that we will meet in some of the ways that we used to meet in the future. I believe we will. Of course we want to meet in 3D. I love the possibilities, the extra possibilities beyond this place that Cheadle Hume promises for that. If moving forward in order to be able to reach out and enfold more people means that we, we, we buy a building, we hire a building, we use a building, we get larger numbers together. If it helps to be able to do that, to reach more people for Jesus, be assured that I'll do it. We're not afraid to gather in numbers safely when we can do that. I'm co-chair for the 2022 mission here in Manchester that's aiming to gather 40,000 people at Platfields. I can't wait for the times when we get to meet together. I miss the hugs too. I miss the handshakes. I miss all the kids being here. I want us all to sing in different places together, here, there, everywhere. I even 
will wear fancy dress. I can't wait, but I'll have to wait. And so will you. And in the meantime, what do we do? We'll keep on connecting people with us and with Jesus online. And even when we can meet more in person, we'll keep being church online too. We're going to be this hybrid church which wants to bring together the best of both worlds. Because as I've said, if you're now part of Ivy, even though you live in another region, even though you live in a different part of the country or another nation, all those people... So many of them are connecting, not just for an hour on a Sunday, but, but at all kinds of different times in different ways through the, the week. And they've never, you've never been to church on a Sunday here in Manchester. But these people love Ivy. And guess what? We love you too. And we are committed to serve you, to equip you, and to help you to, to grow in Christ and to share his love in the church that meets in your house, wherever that is situated. And I realise, especially for people who've been here longer, what a stretching time this is for us. That's why I appreciate those of you who have stuck with us during this time. Because you're committed to being part of what Andy Sherry wrote. Ordinary people trying to figure out what God wants us to do next and do it. This week I had a dream. We're all at the Cheadle-Hume cricket field on a lovely sunny day waiting to watch a match when suddenly a passenger jet falls out of the sky and crashed into houses nearby. Not a very nice dream. This is not a prediction. It's not a prophecy. It's a picture. But now the game changed. No more spectating. We all had to get up and go and rescue people. In a moment, I'm going to invite people actually, when I finish my talk, to stand up, if you're able to stand where you are, and to count the cost and to pray and say, Lord... Yes, I'm in. Count me in for that part I play in this rescue mission here at Ivy. And it's good to take note of dreams. God often speaks to me about big stuff in unforgettable, vivid dreams. The only reason I'm here in Manchester is because an angel came to me in a dream and told me this is where God was calling us as a family for the next stage of the great adventure. On the 19th of January 2019, I had a dream that I told the staff team about the same week. I'm going to quote from my notes in that dream. Death was falling across the city, a dark shadow coming closer across the land. I tried to hide away inside a house, but then a rescuer arrived in a car. I got in. There were people infected and falling around us. He's driving fast because time is short. It's life and death. It's urgent. Then we stop beside some water and get out of the car. Even though death is drawing closer, the enemy is advancing, but I'm not scared. I'm confident, even excited, because of who is with me and because I am with him. Now, various staff changes have happened since I stood right here and told those on the team then about that dream. But for me, all that did was ramp up how passionate I am about why we do this. From there, we drew up what we called an essential intent. That was a plan in faith that for the next couple of years, at the start of 2019, what turned out to be the hardest, the darkest two years imaginable, all hell broke loose, but we prayerfully set in faith before God, figures on how many people we believed God in his grace could help, we could be part of helping find their way back to him and know his love by the end of 2020. The figure that I put down on there was 2,000. I wrote it down, I spoke it out, others went higher, but in January 2019, I said I dared to believe that somehow Ivy would be helping 2,000 people who felt lost and alone. 
to being found and at home in his love by the end of 2020. I don't know why we picked that timeline and we didn't have a building big enough to gather 2,000 people in at that point. But I just knew this shadow was approaching and we had to do something. The how that I drew up was called the Discipleship Pathway, which maps the journey out for how we could help somebody to discover Jesus. We said maybe that had happened through the website or online, so we needed to invest in that. We then said, how do we get people to be delivered out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? How do we help people to devote themselves fully to Christ? How do we develop all the gifts that God's put in people and deploy them back into this broken world so that more people will come to know his love forever too? And now as I look at the Ivy Facebook page this weekend, we have over two and a half thousand people following us. 800 subscribed to our YouTube channel and you're one of multitudes of thousands of views and interactions every week across our platforms thousands of people who through 2020 and even now would have felt very lost and very alone were it not for this church in their home then on Friday October 14th 2019 some of you know while we were up in Glasgow in these strange times that seemed so long ago when you could freely go to other cities and be there, the Lord spoke to me in what was just like an audible voice, so clear that it woke me up and I thought it was somebody in the room or in the room next door. And he said to me over and over again, see, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Over and over the same words. And then he underlined it for me. Perceive it, perceive it. It means grab it. It means take hold of it. Don't miss it. And as the year of focus opened up, I said, let's study a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry in 2020. Because we've got way too busy and God wants us to slow down and to spend some focused time fasting praying learning together about solitude asking deeper questions about what matters most in life and the shadow fell and the world fell quiet and we could hear the birds sing again empty shops masked queues businesses closing economies reeling Manchester had respite for only a few weeks last summer And while many did have that time to slow down and forced upon them, many of you were at the forefront of the fight in caring professions, working relentless shifts under intense pressure, saving lives. Thank you for doing that. Others have had to learn to juggle new responsibilities in novel ways, learning how to Zoom while the kids Zoom around the house wrecking it. But what's been our focus throughout all of this? God's been trying to do a new thing. How do we keep that focus, surrounded by all the guidelines and the headlines and and the slogans? What did we learn? Did we use the time for rest? And so we had to reorganise and reprioritise and reposition. What now will we keep and what will we stop and what will we restart and what will we not restart as we partner with God in his rescue mission for this world? Because whatever happened or is happening, God is good and God is at work and he's always working for good. He's never been surprised, shocked. He's never, he's never looked at the news and thought, oh my goodness, what's going on? Not, impossible has never stopped him. Working something out. And we are here now and it's no accident for such a time as this. I love that phrase, for such a time as that. Why? Why, why did God choose you and me to be alive right now and serving him? Have you asked him? Why did 
he purposed and designed that you would be called to live on this planet at one of the most significant times in human history before he returns to judge the living and the dead. Have you asked him? What do you have faith for? Can I ask you that? What's the dream now for you, for the future? Is he alive just so that you can draw a wage? Is that what the resurrection and the cross was all about? Is it just so you can shop on Amazon? Is that what you have faith for? What's the dream? A week in Lanzarote? If so, what on earth are you doing? Maybe I'll rephrase it. What on earth are you going to do? For heaven's sake. Do you think Jesus Christ poured out his blood on a cross so you could have a nice life? Do you think the Holy Spirit was poured out from heaven so you could have a nice service? Do you think Jesus died so you and me could stay safe? If so, I have a book I'd love you to read. It's called The Bible. The people in here, the ones who call themselves followers, by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became powerful in battle and routed armies. They raised the dead to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better rejection. Some faced jeers and flogging while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned sword in two and put to death by the sword they went about destitute persecuted and mistreated they wandered about in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground and I wish I could tell you it would be easier for you and for me I wish I knew that tomorrow would be easier for me and for mine but I follow a man who was brutalized and beaten and tortured and put on a cross So when the early church underwent these kind of pressures, they didn't get together as a church and say, oh Lord, please make it nice. Oh Lord, please make it all better for me. No, 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 no. They prayed for boldness. They prayed for courage. And when they could meet together, as they could meet together in their homes as they did for 300 years before any church buildings were were made, this is what their meetings were like. This is how they prayed. They said, now Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. And after they prayed, the places where they met were shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. You want to go back? I want to go back to that. You want to go back to church as it used to be? I want to go back to church as it used to be. So I'm going to say, Lord, shake us again. If we haven't been shaken enough yet for that kind of thing to happen, shake us again. Shake me, Lord, until I'm ready to do whatever it takes. And it's happening, you know, wherever, all around the world it's happening. Whether you said amen or not, it's happening all over the world. The world is being shaken. The church is transforming because we're not just in another time or another season. We are in a new epoch. We are in a pivot time. The new thing is happening. Will you perceive it? Will we perceive it? Oh Lord, I want to perceive it. From that passage in Isaiah, it seems it's possible for God to do a new thing and you not perceive it. It flies right over your head. Even though it's clear, it's clear in the heavenlies to anybody in touch with that realm through intercession. 
A new thing has begun. It's clear on the earth, even to people who don't know God, that the creation is yearning and stretching forth on tiptoe of expectation. It's clear to every government, every organisation, every business. But as I talk to so many church people, even those who call themselves leaders, it seems like God's people are like the last to know. They don't want to perceive it because it might cost, because I might have to change Look through history, look through church history, and you'll always see the greatest enemy of God's new day is the good old days. Gold-plated nostalgia makes us want to cling to the past. Yes, our history is important, but you can't live there. The future matters more. And now we ask God, what do we restart and what do we change and how do we accomplish the Jesus mission in a post-COVID world? What structures, what budgets, what priorities, what purposes, what projects, and what doesn't work, and we'll lay it down. Not just once a year at the AGM, but every single day we lay it down and we say, Lord, we only want to do what you say. We just want to go where you say, and we just want to do what the Father says like you did. We're living in testing times. COVID lockdown has shown me more than anything, what's inside comes out when you're squeezed. There have been times of genuine, genuine revelation for the people of God. Some people fell away really quickly. But if we have genuine hunger for intimacy with God, we will do it. Do it somehow. We will worship him and find a way and pray wherever we find ourselves. You don't need a building for that. You don't need a service time for that. Love will find a way. If we really want to reach out and spread the gospel, there's always somebody we can tell. There's always somehow we can do it. You don't need a building for that. You don't need a service time for that. You need fire for that. If you genuinely want to grow deeper in loving community, when you connect with other people, you'll find a way to be able to do that. Not just sit around waiting till someday when it feels like it's easier. If we actually want to clothe the naked and feed the hungry and serve the poor, nothing can lock that down. We need the Spirit of the Lord to do it. So if there's a problem with any of that for you, what if you were the problem? Because 2020 wasn't pretty, but we've had some great moments and we've had some great seasons in the past. And if we want to follow the Lord and, and, and into a brighter future, and it will happen, if we have a future dream bigger than a week in Cornwall, if we put the mission above the methods, if we go out with the Lord for the lost one, rather than just want to hang around with the found 99, if we have faith to reach the city, not just meet with our friends, it'll happen. Final dream. Last week, 18th of February 2021, I'm on a football pitch getting ready to take a corner. I hate football. I'm rubbish at football. I, but this time I'm confident and I go up and I place the ball just right and it's a dream corner, literally. And, and it goes just where I want it to go. And I'm like, how did that happen? And the Lord says, because people who are good at corners practice. It's all about your practices. And I asked him, I said, Lord, do you, what do you want us to practice? And I knew this wasn't just for me. This was for us. This was for now. He said this, come and go. Come and go. Simple. The world doesn't know if it's coming or going. We need to. We need to learn and practice coming and going. Not just for an hour or so a week on a Sunday, but every day and all the time. What did Jesus say more than anything to people who were his disciples? Come and follow me. Come and follow. Not come to church. Come to me. 
Come and follow. Put your feet in his footsteps. That's all you need to do. That's the plan. That's the timeline. Let's do it now. So this year, we're going to practice so many ways to come to Jesus, to abide in Jesus with him every day. And when you come, guess what he says? Go. You've been with me now, go for me. Go fishing, go fish for people. And we need to train for that too. It's as natural as breathing in and out. And as I lay there praying, he was just come and go, come and go. Breathe in, breathe out. You can't just breathe in. We've made church like that sometimes. Just, just come, just breathe in. That'll kill you. The rhythm is built into every moment of our lives until our time is done and eternity opens for us as it's done for those that we love, some of them this year. We're going to pray now and I'd invite you to stand if you are able to, wherever you are, to say we're standing together in this. Let's stand and put your hand on your heart because a world that doesn't know if it's coming or going needs people who are going to come to Jesus and go for Jesus. And when you know he's with you, You don't need to know where you're heading. You just say, Lord, I'm going to let you drive. And when the shadow falls and the darkness comes across the land, you need to know, and you can know it's going to be okay because we read the end of the story and we know we win because we're with him. So right now he says, come. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. Take a moment just to do that. Receive his love for you, his presence with you. But whenever we come, because he loves the world so much, he says, and go. Go to your friends, go to your street, go to your neighbours, go online, go to Facebook, go to YouTube, go to work. And I will go with you to the very end of the ages. And just tell the Lord, I want to come to you more this year, whatever happens. And I'll go for you wherever you send me and do what you want me to do. And I'm laying it all down again before you. It's not about me. I'm so sorry when I forget that. Thank you for saving me and loving me. And please use me here together with my brothers and sisters in that rescue mission that you've got for us, that rescue mission in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.